When we share our stories with one another, we inspire each other. We help each other to grow. We also help one another to feel less alone. I'm Amanda Solar. I'm the host of Soulful Connections, and I'm the founder of SoulfulLiving.com. Join me and let's connect. Connection. So once again, I have my repeat podcast guest, Chuck Hall. Um, And Chuck is, I think, an expert in many things, not least of which is marketing and branding and communications and organizational um, stuff. (laughs) (laughs) How about effectiveness? There you go. (laughs) Um, But today I wanted to talk a little bit about trauma. Um, I will tell you that Chuck is um, a certified peer specialist for mental health. That's um, a state credential that he got in the state of Georgia. Uh, But before we launch in, I also wanted to recognize that Chuck did just recently uh, lose his mother. His mother passed away. And so I wanted to ask how you're doing. First and foremost. Well, thank you, Amanda. That's very kind of you to, to ask that. So I think I'm doing pretty well. I mean, obviously grief pops up at different moments, but when I look at it, you know, step back and take a look at it. My mom lived to age 90. She was in relatively good health. She wanted to die in her own home. She did. She died peacefully and had a great life. And so, you know, as I've been saying to people, if any one of us could sign up for that deal right now, and you know, unless you're 89, right? <laughs> right. At my age, 61, <clears throat> if I could say, you know what, I, I will sign a document that I will die peacefully at age 90 in good health, living in my own home, um, you know, with all basically all my needs met, who wouldn't take that deal? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, she she was not in a hospital nursing home, you know, yeah. back to back to the point of our topic, she didn't die a traumatic death. She died a very peaceful. Yes. And that has to, that has to help. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, I'm glad to hear that. And I know that grief is a funny thing and losses is a a very tricky, tricky experience to live through. So I'm always thinking of you. I really am. Um, What led you, you're welcome to, to become toward that certification. Because, by the way, Chuck, could you just briefly give your educational background? Sure. So I have um, an undergraduate degree in journalism from Penn State. Um, I have a master's in organizational dynamics from the University of Pennsylvania. And organizational dynamics, a lot of people don't understand that. They think it's HR because they think of organizational development. Um, Organizational dynamics really is how people work together and how you get things done in an organization. So a lot of it is on uh, leadership and um, structuring and strategy and, um, you know, how just how to make sure everything's working right in an organization. Got it. 
So that brings you to this certification. And can I ask what led you to desire this? Yeah. So for those who have seen the podcast before, I won't go into uh, details, but I was uh, very sick in the hospital in October of 2020, um, realized as a result of that, that there was something more going on that was preventing me from getting medical care. Um, I sought therapy um, uh, online because we were in the pandemic and online therapy was readily available. And so I started working with uh, two therapists at first, one who wasn't helpful at all, one who helped me develop some coping strategies, and the third one, which was a keeper, um, in our first meeting, he um, said, I don't agree with your previous diagnosis, which um, from my uh, second therapist was anxiety disorder. Um, and he goes, I think there's something more going on here. I want to think about it. In our second meeting, he sprung on me. I believe you are suffering from something that's called medical PTSD, which most therapists don't know about. Hardly any uh, doctors, nurses, other medical professionals know about it. And he said, but I am pretty confident that's what you're experiencing. And I want to send you some articles to read that we can talk about the next time we meet. So he sent me the articles and it was just like, wow, this is what I've been experiencing my entire life. Um, and so, so many things just fell into place for me with that framework of understanding. And so one of the things, he, he's a, a veteran who suffers from PTSD himself. And so he really has firsthand knowledge of, of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and I'm a, an avid researcher. So I started doing lots of reading myself and lots of learning. And shortly thereafter, he said, you know, I really think you should just start volunteering with veterans organizations or with first responders or with other people who are suffering from PTSD because of your work as a coach. Um, I think you would be amazing at helping people. So um, I said, well, that's really nice, but I have no training in doing that. And I am a big believer in my work as a coach of the principle of first do no harm. And so I want to get some education and training um, in helping people um, with PTSD before I just like jump in as an amateur and perhaps do some harm to people um, unintentionally. So I researched and found out this, this program uh, called Certified Peer Specialists. I think it's in almost every state. Um, there are different requirements in the states. In Georgia, there was a, an application process. And by the application process, I was considered to be a third priority candidate um, because I wasn't working full-time in a mental health field. I didn't have a job offer to work full-time in a mental health field contingent upon getting the certification. And so I was in the third level, anybody else who wants to get the certification. So there's a written application, there's a, uh, a, a telephone interview, um, and then ultimately I got accepted. And there was two weeks of training on Zoom, followed by a uh, written exam and an oral exam. Um, and then starting next year, I'll have annual continuing education requirements. So it's, it's a pretty rigorous training. You, you know, it doesn't make you a therapist or a psychologist, but what it does is it gives you a foundation to understand some approaches to help people 
who are experiencing mental health challenges based on your own lived experience um, and the training and, and processes that they teach. So, you know what struck me when you were talking to the word PTSD, PTSD, which is a post-traumatic stress disorder, right? So what is the difference, Chuck, between somebody who has experienced trauma and somebody who has PTSD? And does everybody who experiences trauma suffer from PTSD? A uh, great question, Amanda. No, um, not everybody who experiences trauma um, suffers from PTSD. And, you know, I am not um, an expert in all of these statistics, but I want to say I've recently read there's something like 55% of people experience some type of trauma. And out of those people, it's something like 18 or 22% can develop PTSD from it. Um, so I think there's some misconceptions about PTSD and the um, kind of the Bible in psychology and psychiatry is called the DSM-5, which is the, what defines all of the mental disorders. And I really dislike the term disorder because yeah. it lumps a whole bunch of things in there. And, uh, you know, I tend to like, like, there's some things that I would say are probably disorders. Again, that's just my opinion. Um, but there are other things that I would say, you know, maybe they're conditions or situations or, you know, experiences that, that people um, are, are working through. But in the DSM-5, they um, define PTSD. I'm not gonna read you, read you uh, the definition, but basically <laughs> there, there are various things that can happen. Um, you, know, you can have uh, flashbacks, you can have physical symptoms, you can experience avoidance, you can have nightmares, um, you can have you know, in, inability to function in different situations. And the things that are frequently um, described is you can experience uh, fight, fright, freeze, or fawn. Um, in, in situations where you have PTSD. But there's an important distinction. Everybody thinks of PTSD is what happens to um, people who are first responders or people who have had you know, bad experiences in uh, combat or people who, um, who are victims of assault or, you know, or whatever. Um, there's kind of the Holy Grail of Trauma is a book called The Body Keeps the Score um, by uh, Bessel van der Kolk. And one of the things that he has tried to do is he has tried to make a distinction between, I'll just call it like event-based um, PTSD or event-based trauma leading to mental health conditions and something that he calls developmental trauma disorder. And I absolutely fit into the second category because my uh, PTSD or my developmental trauma disorder started as a child with adverse medical experiences that were then compounded by other experiences. Now, I, I, for me, it's, this is really interesting because my therapist who's a veteran and as, as he has said, you know, he got blown up by an IED in Iraq. That's wow. where his PTSD came from. Yeah. Um, for me, oh, so for, for him, his therapy or someone who has had a traumatic experience, 
they're trying to get back to where they were before, right? They're trying to like right. regain something that was lost. So for me, with my uh, trauma starting as a child with adverse medical experiences and then other compounding factors, um, I don't have a normal to get back to. This has yes. shaped the way I think and see the world um, and process the world and, and all of that. Um, my therapist brought up something interesting that I never thought of, but I, I grew up working in the family towing and car repair business. And so I was, um, I was out with my father starting as a child at all types of auto crash scenes or traffic crash scenes, um, you know, where cars were getting towed in, people were injured, um, you know, some of the wrecked cars that were, were towed in were just like mangled, um, you know, not to be, wow. not to be graphic, but, yeah. you know, I just saw some horrendous things at a very young age. And my therapist, when I brought that up to him after we had gone over the medicals, wait, any of those things could be PTSD in and of itself. And then he asked me, he goes, you know, have you, you weren't ever in like a bad crash yourself. And I was like, yeah, I was, I was almost killed in a, in a crash um, that everybody said they couldn't believe I walked away. It was a miracle. Um, and maybe it's a story for another, <laughs> another conversation, but I do believe I was given a miracle and I walked away from that. He goes, okay, stop. That alone could be enough to give you a lifetime of PTSD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking the same thing that I started thinking when you and I talked about neurodiversity in a different conversation. And that is that um, not to minimize at all in any way PTSD, because that is a huge thing from huge events that uh, affects you and affects people in dramatic ways. With you, it affected you in the way that you actually almost died because of not going to see doctors, you know, from a fear, from trauma, right? Yeah. But I'm also thinking, and I thought this with neurodiversity, we can all actually relate to this on a specific level because I do think trauma, big trauma and small trauma, trauma that you know you experience when you're a child that maybe doesn't look huge, but everything is bigger when you're little. I think that we absorb trauma and then we move past it and we move on, but we're really kind of living our life kind of like, okay, I'm not going to go through that street. I'm going to, you know, step over this block. And we kind of have a bunch of different trauma created hurdles in our life that we might not even recognize, just like you might not have really recognized as you were going through your life was trauma. I thought when you talked about neurodiversity, that the world is built on neurodiversity. You know, there's so much we don't recognize about our own diversity neurologically. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm probably not articulating it well, but what I'm trying to say is that I think this conversation has mass appeal because I think that we all on some level have experienced trauma and need to address it in some way, yeah. or at least many of us. Yeah, there's a, so there's a lot to unpack there, Amanda. Um, so um, one of the things, and this is when I first started learning about trauma, which actually I started to learn about trauma about two years before I had my, you know, my my uh, 
really bad health situation. Um, you know, I started to read The Body Keeps the Score because someone had recommended it to me. Um, but so one of the things I learned all early on is we can't compare traumas, right? right. So, you know, a lot of times, like I, I heard you say big trauma and little trauma, there's yeah. no way to measure it, right? And that's like a natural yes. thing that we go to because we think about like a big event is like a big trauma, you know, whereas like, um, you know, one thing, like I've talked to people who have had like one adverse medical experience, right? That doesn't seem yeah. like it's dramatic as being in a war or being a first responder or something like that, but it has done just as much harm. The other thing is, it's important to understand not everybody who experiences trauma um, ends up with PTSD or developmental trauma disorder. Um, and when we have PTSD or, or developmental trauma disorder, um, our brain is changed. Our brain is damaged, right? Oh, the actual you... functioning of the brain can be measured and there, it's, it's, in essence, a brain injury. Now, it's not as dramatic as somebody like having a fall or having a stroke or whatever, but science shows that our brains have changed um, and the brain chemicals work differently. And basically, our brain kind of gets rewired to think that we're always in danger. There's, there's kind of like no safety. Um, and that sense of safety or non-safety can come and go. And it can hit us at, you know, at the most unusual places. One of the common things, which I was shocked because I always just thought this was me. I used to say um, that I believe if you're a bad person, um, when you die, you go to a mall for all eternity. Because <laughs> uh, malls, grocery stores, things like that have always been really super stressful for me. Huh. And what I found out, it was actually one of the things my therapist used to diagnose um, my PTSD was, um, he said, I'm going to ask you some questions. They might not seem to make sense, but just humor me. And he was like, when you go grocery shopping, what day of the week do you prefer to go grocery shopping? And I was like, oh, Monday or Tuesday, never on the weekends. And he goes, okay, and what time of day do you go? I said, as early as possible. Um, you know, if I can get there when the store is opening so that there's like not anybody else in the store and I can get in and get out, that's perfect. He goes, where do you park in the parking lot at the, the grocery store? And I said, definitely not close to the entrance, um, probably several rows over from the entrance and directly next to one of the cart exchanges so that the minute I get the stuff in my car, I can uh, ditch the cart and I can go. And he was like, okay those answers are essentially identical to what the way veterans answer these questions who are suffering from PTSD. He goes, it's unusual for people not to have that experience um, if they have PTSD. That is fascinating because as you were talking, I was wondering, Chuck, if there's a connection between your autism diagnosis and the way you experience life and how that intertwines with your medical PTSD. Yeah, so, so I'm a little bit in uncharted territory. Um, I was on a, um, uh, in a meeting with kind of a noted um, autism. Uh, he's, he's not an expert as far as studying, but he's, he's 
written and he's autistic also. And he completely rejected this idea, but I've had other people who agree with it completely. I believe that autism is kind of an accelerant of our experiences, um, at least my autism is. And so it intensifies everything. Um, I see things, I see relationships, um, my brain moves really fast with things. And so the stimulation of a grocery store, there are too many people, right? Now this might sound funny and Amanda, you know me, I am you know, a relatively peaceful, nonviolent person. But one, oh, of, the things, one of the things that I, um, I unpacked as I was discussing my PTSD with my therapist, he started asking me questions. He goes, so what happens when you're in a grocery store? What, you know, what, you know, you're going down the aisle in the grocery store, you're getting your things and you turn the corner, what happens? I said, if I see another person there, the first thought that goes through my head is, do I think I could take them if they attacked me, right? And that's not, he's like, okay, that is not a normal experience <laughs> that people have at the grocery store. Um, and, and, you know, I said, but that's, that's really the way I was processing. So I was like always feeling that I was yeah. in. And so, and, and it's because with the PTSD, your brain is rewired to always think that there's danger. Um, and also with, um, you know, with autism, autism, you can be really kind of like hypersensory, right? And, and so you can be always acutely aware of your environment and always feeling like overly stimulated. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say what I'm wondering now is um, how does that affect you as a parent? Because you know, as a parent, you do have some, some regular fears for your kids. You know, I think if I know my kid is driving to wherever I, I get afraid. And, um, so did that impact the way you parented? Were you fearful about different things that could happen to them? Yeah. I mean, I think every parent is fearful uh, of, yeah things happening to their children, you know, one of the things I do and, and, um, you know, anybody who, who, um, understands risk management, right. The whole concept of like, mm -hmm. you know, in, in business or in your life of like having insurance and, uh, you know, taking precautions, having policies and procedures and stuff like that. I feel like I've lived my entire life from a risk management point wow. of view of like, how can I mitigate risks? So, you know, there are certain things that as a parent probably just didn't let, let kids do, right? Like there right. were times that our kids wanted to do a, a sleepover and at somebody's house and we didn't have the highest opinion of the, the, their friends, parents. Um, and there was, there was an experience. So my son, Carl, who was all, who was very literal and very transparent, there was a uh, person who the, a friend of his, whose father's father had um, been found guilty, confessed to a crime. And it was between the period that he was uh, found guilty and was heading to prison, right? And we weren't really in touch with the parents or anything. Carl wanted to have a sleepover. 
So I said, you know, I'm really not comfortable with you having a sleepover at his house because I don't know what's going on with his dad. You know, I, I really am uncomfortable with that. So he said, okay. And then I hear him on the phone, like, hi, I can't sleep over because my dad doesn't know what's going on with your dad. And he's not really comfortable with me being at your house. Yes. Right. And so, you know, yep. I had, I had laid it out like from my very, right. um, you know, very logical point of view of like, I'm just not comfortable with that. Um, but, you know, something else too, which um, I have realized is like, you know, like, look, I've had a successful career. I've had a good life. You know, I, you know, overall, I don't have regrets. So we all have things we wish we'd done differently or done better, right? But we right. learn from them and move on. But what I've realized is that uh, my PTSD has probably held me back from taking some more risks and some more chances. Um, you know, and that might seem funny because I left the corporate world in 2007 um, and started my own business. But actually, my assessment was that it was less risky for me to be in control of my own destiny than to continue to work for corporations that wow. reorganized, laid people off, merged, did all these other things. Um, so, you know, a lot of people would consider that to be a risky move. Um, but actually, in my assessment, it was less risky because it gave me more control of, over my own life. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always struck, Chuck, by your level of confidence. I, I am always wondering where that comes from because you do, you're very confident. You're a very confident person. Do you know what you attribute that to? Uh, maybe maybe I come across that way, but I think like everybody, I have my self-doubts, um, you know, and I have, I have moments of, of low confidence and I just keep going. I think it's, you know, my father was like the eternal optimist. Um, my mother was absolutely a pessimist and she worried about everything. And I think, you know, as a child, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll choose the optimism path. Dad seems a lot happier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a more enjoyable path, I think. Yeah. Um, do you have any kind of thoughts about if somebody is thinking, you know what, if even if it's not trauma, if it's trauma or if it's some sort of, um, if something is holding somebody back, what step should they take, do you think? Like, what's the first step? That's a big question, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, my brain immediately goes to a very complex decision tree, right? And that's, that's just mm -hmm. the way I'm wired. So I don't think there is one, any one answer. But what I would say is that you probably need to get an outside perspective, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's the, there's the whole thing about, the, you know, the thinking and actions that got me here aren't going to get me where I need to go if I'm stuck. Uh, right. Yeah. And so, you know, in some cases, it could be as simple as talking to a friend. It could be hiring a life coach or a business coach. Um, it could be seeking out uh, the advice of a therapist. Um, it could be reading. It could be uh, meditation. You know, there, there are just a million things yes. um, that people can do. But what I would say is don't let, you know, your inhibitions or anything hold you back. I mean, you know, my mother, my mother said this all the time and um, I don't think she would mind me saying it, but like she suffered from a lot of anxiety and, you know, I encouraged her 
to talk to a therapist and she said, um, nobody would ever believe the things that I've been through in my life. Nobody would ever, ever think that I was telling the truth. You know, nobody has ever been through the stuff that I've been through, right? And so somebody has been through what we've all been through. You know, it might not be the exact, exact uh, thing. And, and like, just as proof of this, within the last year, I've met two women, both from different parts of Europe, um, whose fathers, fathers were killed by terrorists, right? And, you know, you want to talk about the potential for trauma there, right? You know, and yeah. that, that affects you. Um, and so, you know, I think everybody has been through something very similar to what you've been through. And that's really what the, um, the peer support program is, right? That mm -hmm. you don't have to have been through exactly what I've been through, but there are things you can learn by talking to other people. Yeah. Things that you can do. Um, and there's also, there's also a couple of other things I wanna bring up here. Um, the first therapist that I saw, um, who had his uh, doctorate and had a long career working with first responders with PTSD, which is why I chose him when I saw him online, because I was like, I've, I know I've had trauma. It, it isn't, I was sure, it isn't PTSD. It's just traumatic experiences. When I talked to him, he said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just afraid of doctors, right? And I said, well, I think it's a little more than that. He goes, no, you're just afraid of going to the doctor. Um, you just need to get over your fear and um, you just need to go. That's the answer. And so um, a lot of times people think that PTSD is fear, right? And I actually think fear, it can be a good thing, right? It can keep us from harming uh, ourselves can keep us from harming others. It can keep us out of bad situations, right? So, so fear can be channeled for good, but PTSD has damaged your brain. It's way beyond fear. Like as, as my therapist said, when I was first, you know, hearing like him say, you, you have PTSD. His thing was phobia or anxiety or fear is down here. PTSD is up here. It's a completely different scale. You know, your brain is damaged. And yeah. so, so he, um, he recommended that I also meet with a psychiatrist to be evaluated for whether medication would be helpful for me. Um, and many people with PTSD um, do benefit from medication. Mm -hmm. uh, the psychiatrist I met with was like, he asked me a lot of questions. He's, he's like, I feel like you've adapted really well over the years and you've done a lot of healing um, and you're ma still making progress. He goes, I could give you a prescription for medication and you could see how, how you felt on it and if it did anything. He goes, but at the same time, I feel like you've made a lot of progress in therapy and you've, made a, you've adapted a lot throughout your life. Um, so if you want to hold off on medication, I don't see any harm in that either. Right. So mm -hmm. I was not like a clear cut case. Um, some people with PTSD, um, you know, it is affecting their lives so bad, um, you know, that they, they really have a difficult time functioning. 
Um, and so medication is definitely um, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You were just talking before we started the podcast about the Netflix series. What is it? Changing your mind? Changing your mind. Yeah. 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 And, I've, and so I've had conversations um, uh, with, with my therapist about medication and about some of the things. So like, you know, MDMA, uh, marijuana, um, uh, cybocillin, which is the ingredient in magic mushrooms. Like a lot of people who suffer from PTSD can benefit from those, those treatments. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there are other things out there that are a little more fringe um, that people will do. Um, you know, ayahuasca, I was in a discussion right. where someone talked about that. I'm no expert in it, but basically, you know, he talked about how it was like a huge healing experience um, to, to have gone through that. Um, there's one more thing I really want to bring up. And this is like, almost like, it's to me, it's kind of like where mysticism and science intersect, but there's um, an emerging field called epigenetics. And basically it is um, family trauma that is passed down in our DNA through generations. And there's a wonderful book called It Didn't Start With You. Um, and it talks about the research that has been done and the patterns that are seen with traumatic experiences being passed down through generations. Um, and I think that's fascinating. Um, now this, is where, this is where it gets, gets to be a uh, little, little mystical um, yeah. and people can believe or not believe. I'm a big believer in science and data, but there's also, as I like to say, there's more that we don't know than we do know. So yeah. um, I participated in a, um, it was called the boot. It's a it's a program called the Biology of Belonging Boot Camp, and it really gets into epigenetics and talks about like the um, all the stuff that's kind of gets wired into us, um, mm -hmm. genetics and how it affects our behavior and our relationships with other people. So one of the things they do is have you do some meditations or reflections on your childhood and envisioning your ancestors and what you know about your ancestors. Um, so that was amazing. And there's an exercise that we did toward the end of that, um, that class or that course, which is where you stand um, in the middle of the stadium and you envision your parents standing in front of you. And then you envision your grandparents standing behind them. And then if you can visualize this, you keep, imagining the generations going back until the stadium is full. And so it gives you this overwhelming sense of, oh my gosh, all of these generations of people have contributed to making me what I am today, um, either yeah. positive or you know negative or the traits that have been passed on that I'm not even aware that they were passed on. Okay, so I'll take this one level deeper. I participated in a meditation, which was um, a few weeks ago. That it was actually, uh, it's probably about six weeks ago. It was a couple weeks before my mother passed away. And the goal of the meditation was to help you try to connect with your ancestors. And so I had kind of two experiences or two visions in that. Um, in one one vision, 
I connected with my father and with my father's maternal grandfather, um, who I never knew, but I always heard my father talk about. Um, and I, this, this is going to sound weird, so take it as nope. you want. Um, uh, but the message that I got from that meditation from my father's grandfather talking to me was, we're the forest, we're the trees. And I felt this connection to kind of like all living things. And it was yeah. tremendously healing. And then in my meditation, I was like, what about, um, what about my mother's side of the family? And I saw this vision of my mother's father, who I knew um, and was a great, great person. And he was standing in a field of wheat. And he said, um, we, you know, we are, we are the wheat, we are the grains of the earth. And I just like left that meditation so at peace with, yeah. with um, kind of the connectivity of the universe. And now that, um, that matches the kind of the mystical experience that people have talked about in that Netflix documentary not as intense and I didn't see like fractal designs and I couldn't see the molecules in the air and stuff that people talk about. Um, but so where this fits in is I think that people, we all are carrying so much that we don't understand. Um, yeah. and it can weigh us down. It can hold us back. Um, and trauma is absolutely just one of those things that can hold us back. Um, but I would say just to kind of complete my long-winded answer to your question, um, I think if you really wanna be all that you can be, if you really want to be as successful and have this sense of fulfillment and purpose and meaning in your life, step outside yourself um, and get advice from other people, get insights from other people, get it from reading, uh, listening to podcasts, um, you know, listening to audiobooks. I do all those things and I just feel driven to do that. Um, that there's, um, there's my personal uh, mission or, or value statement um, is there are three components to it, learn, care, and act. So it's basically like, what do you need to learn? Uh, what do you need to know? Um, why should you care? How can you care for other people? How can you care for yourself? And then what are you going to do about it? And yeah. so, you know, I, that has, in those words, that has evolved over years. Um, but I finally just felt perfectly comfortable with those three words uh, within the last year. I really love that, Chuck. And I, and I have to just tell you that I'm getting certified um, with the Deepak Chopra in meditation. Oh, nice. Because I, I think it's, it's a really powerful tool. Um, I really do. And it's interesting because I have had similar just, you know, experiences to what you described in different, but similar, you know? Um, so you know, and I even think with trauma, I wonder about the trauma, for example, my daughter, when she was under a year, just under a year was, um, you know, in the hospital with a lot of 
terrible things happening within her and to her. And one of those things is that um, they gave her these things called paralytics because they needed her. She had a critical airway and her head was tilted and just so. And um, she, she wasn't allowed to move. And so what was happening was she was terrified mm. and she couldn't move. And I would see sometimes these tears just falling from her eyes. And I had asked somebody, what is that? And this one, everybody kept telling me it was fluid. You know, she was building up this fluid from laying there. And then one nurse said, she's scared. Those are tears. And, and then I actually had them remove the paralytics and we changed the drug so that we got her to a place where she could not be paralyzed. I wanted to know what she was feeling. But anyway, the only reason I say that is I also wonder about the trauma that you experience when you can't, you can't remember it. But I do believe also that there might be something like cellular trauma, which is different from our ancestral trauma and trauma that you experience or remember. I also wonder, well, how does that inform her today? Do you know what I mean? The body keeps the score. The trauma yeah. lives in our bodies. It, it, it lives in our minds. There's, there are so many different things. Um, you know, there are probably medical linkages um, that can be proven, probably have been proven. Um, there's a, uh, a famous study and an instrument that goes along with it which is uh, the ACEs test. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's basically, if you, if you do uh, Google something like ACEs childhood trauma, you go through and you generate a score and it talks about how your um, childhood, traumatic childhood experiences um, can affect you as an adult. Um, and it's powerful. Um, you know, there is, um, you know, there, there's this epidemic of trauma in our country that people don't even think about. Um, and the, um, trying to find, I know I've got a, a quote here. This is from uh, Bessel van de, van de Kolk. Um, Childhood trauma, including abuse and neglect, is probably the single most important public health challenge in the United States, a challenge that has the potential to be largely resolved by appropriate prevention and intervention. Each, each year, more than 3 million children are reported to authorities for abuse or neglect in the U.S. About 1 million of those cases are substantiated. Well, the other part of this is that it doesn't have to be trauma that is overtly seen for you to have, um, have, have what is called a high ACEs score. Um, and in that study, they definitely were able to link um, adverse childhood experiences directly to physical health outcomes. Yeah. Well, I think what you really, what I, I think what I want to leave everybody with, there's so many things that you shared that I'm so grateful for that I, I really do believe will help people. And I think it comes down to something you said, where you said, you know, step outside of yourself to live, you know, you're here, right? <laughs> you might as well live the fullest, most beautiful life you can. And if we kind of go through it with blinders on, just doing things mechanically, um, you're probably just not living your fullest 
deepest expression of, you know, yourself. So I, I really do appreciate, um, I appreciate watching the way you're living your life, Chuck. And that's why I just can't resist always asking you to come on this podcast because you're doing what I want to do and you're doing what I want to share with other people. And that is you are examining your life, yourself, you're examining scientific fact-based answers. You're also understanding that there's so much we don't know. You know, science even continuously gets disproven and rebuilt upon. It's kind of like stepping stones. And, you know, that it's, it's what makes this exciting, really. We're here and I feel that you've just taken us kind of a great step forward. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Amanda. I have um, one other thing I would like to add, um, and this is directed at nobody individually because people don't know, but throughout my life before I understood that I had PTSD, there were a lot of people who made judgments about me. Um, and so there were people who would say things like, um, oh, men are such babies. They just don't like to go to the doctor. Um, mm. Oh, you're just afraid, or you're such a scaredy cat. Um, or, you know, I even had somebody say, well, you don't care enough about your family to go to the doctor. And, but it was because of the medical PTSD, basically like me going to a doctor's office or getting uh, a blood work done was basically like asking a um, veteran with PTSD to volunteer to go into combat or asking a first responder with PTSD to like go back on the streets and mm -hmm. you know, into that environment. And so I didn't understand it and other people didn't understand it. Um, and so I don't harbor ill will towards those people but what it has really reinforced with me is the idea that none of us know what anybody else is going through. And we really should approach situations more with curiosity and with kindness um, and, and seek to understand rather than to just, you know, pronounce judgment on situations when we really don't know. That's really important. Thank you for sharing that. And it, it gives me another lesson, which is to reject labels that are placed upon you as well. Mm -hmm. You know, if people are telling you something, don't, don't accept it. Labels are tricky things. You know, we, sometimes I hear people do it with their kids, like this one's the sporty one. And this one's the dreamy one. And, you know, we love things to fit into boxes Absolutely. and Human beings don't fit into boxes. It's people will say, well, I'm the helicopter mom. I'm the free range mom. You're probably a bunch of different things. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I think that that's a great message not to, you know, really to think about what you're saying. Think about how you're labeling others and also think about the labels you've accepted, you know, and, and just agreed with, um, Again, it goes to stepping outside yourself and examining and, and really having a great 
I don't know. I love that you kind of kept pursuing truth. Um, and you probably did it because you had no choice in a way to stay alive. But you also seem to be a truth seeker just by your very nature. Um, so Chuck Hall, thank you. I, thank you, I really Amanda. appreciate it. Anybody um, would like more information, would like to have a personal conversation. Um, you know, I, I am going to be, I don't know when you're planning to release this, but I am going to be away on vacation and kind of like minimizing my contact um, yeah. in, the, in the latter half of September, um, but will be available and people can always email me or find me on social media or find me through you. Um, I've talked to multiple people who the just getting, being able to talk to somebody and getting the framework of understanding medical PTSD at like one conversation, um, just like one conversation with my therapist opened up like a, a whole new perspective. I've been able to share that with a few people now and that, you know, they're off on their own journey working with their therapist. Um, I can't, I can't underemphasize or overemphasize enough how much finding a good therapist can really help. Um, but if somebody wants just a regular person to talk to, to ask questions uh, and maybe get some understanding, I, I'm always happy to have that conversation with people. That's really generous. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Amanda. Hey, thanks for listening. And thanks to show advisor, Roseanne Griffiths, to the talented Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, and performed the Soulful Connections theme song. Thank you to my friends and family who give me super feedback each show. And I would love to hear feedback and thoughts from you. You can do that by sending an email to soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S like solar. O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E at gmail.com. Thanks for connecting.